0: This morning, it's, it's my assignment to, to speak on this long weekend, uh, and the, the sermon title is Stepping Across the Line, and uh, this is an exciting day for, for, for many, many ways, but I want to talk to you today about stepping across the line, and before I do that, I just really would like you to, to, to be aware of a couple that are visiting with us today. Uh, At the uh, at the end of our service and at uh, twelve o'clock today, uh, Ange Poplar and uh, Derek Howey uh, they are going to get married, and uh, we're we're really excited about that. They're, they're really excited, and uh, it's, it's been a journey, uh, and uh, at 12 o'clock, uh, and probably shortly thereafter, they're going to step across the line, and, uh, and that will be significant. But I, I want to introduce a couple to you uh, that um, have played a role uh, in, especially in Angie's life, uh, and, and how it uh, just relates to, certainly, uh, Derek as well. You, you never know. You never know um, the impact of your prayers. You never know you know, when you're telling somebody about how Jesus loves you and, you know, you want them to know Christ's love and, and, and you're sharing them about what Jesus Christ can do for them, you never know the impact. Uh, and sometimes it, it seems like, well, boy, that went in one year and out the other year. You know, sometimes you think, man, I, I remember sharing about Jesus a year here and, and the years go by and so forth. And it was about, uh, I'm not sure, Lisa, how many years ago it was. Maybe a dozen or so. Yeah, okay, somewhere's around there, okay, at least that. And, uh, and, and uh, Lisa uh, just shared her faith uh, with her cousin, her cousin Ange. And so uh, I'm going I'm to want you to make uh, uh, Lisa and her husband feel really welcome. But the, here's, the, here's another connection. Uh, Lisa is the cousin to Ange, and that was about 12 years ago, and somehow God used that seed to birth something in this last, last year. So we're excited about what Jesus did because of the seed that was planted by Lisa. But her husband, you're not going to believe this, her husband is a cousin to Carolyn Rutan. <laughs> Carolyn Rutan. Now you put the dots on I mean, it. Carolyn and Dale pastored her several years ago now. And, and they're on the mission field. But it's just so interesting how God places, you know, he has the dots over here, and they seem, they're not connected, and then something happens. You meet somebody, or you have a gathering like this, and it just comes together. So, Lisa, and and I'm sorry, your husband, Bill, will you please make Lisa and Bill feel really welcome today? They're here for the wedding. They're here also to worship with us, and, um, and, and they, they, they play a, a key role as well. And uh, Derek, you've got some family here as well. So would you please make Derek's family feel really welcome this morning. Thank you for being here today. We look forward to celebrating with you a few moments. So stepping across the line, it, it doesn't happen every day. Uh, and stepping across the line usually is something that... It takes a little bit more than, I think I'm gonna do that today. Stepping across the line usually requires a defining moment. Something happens, and because of what happens, you decide, I'm gonna step across the line. And I just wanna give you an update um, uh, for those that, that, are, that are not aware, uh, my wife and I uh, were pastors at this church for, for a number of years and God was good to us. And our, our lead pastor, Pastor Chad and Pastor Carl, oh, Pastor Carlo's is a youth pastor, they're away right now. But uh, Pastor Chad uh, and the board of the church have been very gracious and they've uh, extended uh, an opportunity for us to, to pastor here uh, alongside them for, in a part-time capacity. And uh, many people have asked, how are you doing? And, and And they ask it with a look of concern on their face and and it 's always like they don 't think i 'm doing okay and, and, and I really want you to know that we 're doing really okay okay I, I really want you to know that i think that matter of fact matter of fact, I tell people we're living out our dream, and, and so it it is just it's going it 's going really really well uh, and, and I, I want to say that it 's not without special moments and as we have traveled along in in our new capacity and certainly as we serve this uh, our our lead pastor Pastor Chad and his wife Melissa and a family we have had some defining moments. We have had some moments along the way and I think defining moments are, are, are key and I'm going to talk to you about that uh, in, in just a moment. So what is a defining moment? Let me give you a definition Of what a defining moment is and then I'm going to kind of pull the audience and see if you can share with me some historic defining moments okay here's the dictionary definition according to the Cambridge dictionary a defining moment is the point at which a situation is clearly seen to start a change or stepping across the line. So let me just read that again. A defining moment is the point at which a situation is clearly seen or something happens to start a change. All right, so I went on YouTube the other day and I just kind of, you know, plugged in defining moments and uh, up pops 10 of the most defining moments. Now they did say, you know, this is arguable and that you, you might have some of your own defining moments, but I, I want you to think for a moment historically and, and just call it out so that the rest can hear it, okay, of what you would say was a defining moment that you've seen in history or you're aware of in history. Christ's birth, of course. Yes, that, that's, that was a very spiritual one, and that's the one we need most importantly, okay? What else? Defining moment. Oh, okay, uh, the, the minivan, yeah, that's right, for sure. Uh, this, this is going south on me, I want a little bit better, okay. All right, okay, Krista, 9-11, definitely, 9-11 was a defining moment. Something else was a defining moment. Resurrection. The resurrection, okay, yeah, okay, you're, you're, you're being too spiritual right now, but that's okay, all right, okay, we're in church, that's right. okay, okay. Pearl Harbor, yes, do you know the date when Pearl Harbor was bombed? December 7th, when? 1941. Okay, another. The death, the assassination of John F.K. Now watch this. Now watch. Now I won't apply to some, some of you here today because you, you're, you weren't born. But for those that were alive, can you remember where you were when you heard the news that JFK had been assassinated? Raise your, raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. Isn't it? Now that's a defining moment. I remember where I was. I, I remember, and I was in the geography class, and and the news came to our school that the president of the United States had been assassinated, and they were giving some live coverage, and we had the option. To send a student or one of the students would go down to the office and say we'd like to hear it in our room. And the teacher asked me if I would go and tell the principal we'd like to hear it. So I remember the day uh, uh, emphatically. Uh, it was a day uh, in, in November uh, and it was in 1963. Do you remember the date in November? 22nd. 22nd. You're right. Very good. Very good. Okay. All right. Here's, here's some others. Here's some others. That these were defining moments that were on this YouTube. Uh, the Elamo. I know Canadians really get excited about the Elamo, Okay. <laughs> okay. Napoleon's Waterloo. You ever heard the expression, he met as Waterloo? Okay. Defining moment. Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria. Yeah, I'm sure there's a defining moment there. That's not the one I'm looking for, okay. All right, Hiroshima. Defining moment. It was in August 6th, 1945. All right. Um, what's that? Landing on, the moon. Landing on the moon, of course, for sure. That was a defining moment. You ever heard of the Hindenburg? Yeah, okay. Defining moment. It was in March 6th, 1937 that this is hydrogen-filled dirigible. I think they called it something like that. And it was a it was a blimp. And uh, when it was trying to land, uh, it, uh, it it rubbed the uh, special. There was a special post that was going to hitch to. And as it came down, and the ballasts weren't working right, and shifted, and the hydrogen compartments exploded, and uh, many people died. But it was a defining moment, and it changed the way they did aviation, especially in that time of uh, history. Uh, we, we said Pearl Harbor. How about when Paul Henderson scored his famous goal? When was that? 1972. Do you remember the date? September 28th. September twenty-eighth, 1972. Uh, we talked about JFK uh, assassination, and there were there were two others. Uh, there were two others that I, that I wanted to mention this morning. And like I said, this list is not, it's not exhausted. It, it, it could be arguable. You may have some of your own. But the point that I'm making is that there are moments that happen that change. Change the way we think. Change the way that we, we re- react and, and how we prepare for, for future moments. Uh, over, uh, it was on March 11th. 2011 that there was a uh, tidal wave that slammed and they called a tsunami that slammed into the I think it was the northeast coast of uh, Japan and you remember seeing it on TV many times and it, it certainly it, it was a defining moment. It's a defining moment for that country, it was a defining moment for how they would detect uh, earthquakes and so forth. The, also it was uh, on Boxing Day Uh, 2004, you'll recall this one as well, that the worst tsunami hit Sumatra, Indonesia. And you remember, I think it was over 230,000 people lost their lives. It was a defining moment. So defining moments are very significant to us and they cause us to think, they force us to come to the line and... History, history is a testament to this: that when people step across the line at those moments, there are positive changes are made. However, history also reveals that many people don't step across the line. So a defining moment I feel is very very important to us. So for the Christian, of course, and many of you have already alluded to this, one of the most significant defining moments is when somebody gives their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. When they come to the, they come to face to face with the reality that I am a sinner. I need Jesus Christ. As I need to enter Jesus Christ in my life. As as I come in my life. And case in point, uh, last week um, as you celebrated Mother's Day, I was celebrating Mother's Day with my mom. And uh, we went to hear uh, my kid's sister give a testimony about her story. And it was quite a story. But she told about mom. And at the age of 24, my mom, uh, who had no religious background at all, uh, and mom and dad, with a with young family, had moved next door to a, a church uh, that was uh, an evangelical church. It was a church where the pastor really believed that anytime somebody new came into the, the neighborhood, he would knock on the door and he would present them with, with some information about knowing Jesus Christ. I can't tell you everything that happened before that because I'm not, not aware of it. But uh, my, my mom tells the story that when that minister came and he shared and invited her out to church, at the same time, she, she was reading a, a, a book. And uh, it was by a man by the name of J- John R. Rice. And somehow, because of what the invitation the, the minister gave and also was in the book. And I explained to my mom how much she needed Jesus Christ and that, that Jesus Christ had died for all mankind so that we could experience forgiveness of sin and receive eternal life. Well, well my mom, uh, when, when she was reading this, she had a dream one night and it was like she could see herself just dangling over the pit of hell. It was quite graphic to say the least. But that following Sunday, my mom, it was a defining moment. My mom goes to church the following Sunday. She hears the, there's an, she hears the gospel message. She responds to the altar and gives her heart to the Lord. The following week, my dad does the same thing. My mom and dad at that young age, once they decided to follow Jesus, they never turned back. They never turned back. It was, it was a defining moment that had an impact on them and, of course, on, on us as well. And so we, we, we do say today that one of the reasons, one of the main reasons... That, that Derek and, and Ange are making this step is because of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Been a lot of things going on and, and we are so excited, but it's a defining moment. It is a moment that has brought them to where they have said, we will step across the line. So it is important that we take uh, from time to time that we come to these places. A defining moment. Here's, here's the thing about a defining moment. As I'm finding, I, I'm in partially uh, a partial retirement and so people look at you differently and they have they have a a predetermined definition of what that is and some people have the feeling that when you're retired you know you're just going to be kind of drift off into the to the sunset type thing and you don't have any much to do and it's kind of you know you're just doing your own thing and life is good and this is what you work for and so forth well I've found I found that that in my my season of partial retirement that defining moments have been key have been key because all of us all of us like to be comfortable all of us like to be part of the status quo and when we have a defining moment it messes with the status quo in our lives it messes with the status quo in our lives because we, we become indifferent. The, the, the Bible talks about it becoming uh, lukewarm. We're neither hot nor are we cold. Defining moments confront our lukewarm attitudes. Defining moments are intended to change the way we think and act. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing what happens when you come face-to-face with something that you weren't uh, counting on. Observation about a defining moment. Often, you cannot generate a defining moment on your own. Defining moments are not something that we go around and we wake up in the morning and say, well, I think I'm going to have a defining moment today. No, that's not how it works. A defining moment is something that happens to you that you weren't expecting. It was something that just kind of comes along. You're going along your own way. You're doing your own thing. You got your life together and you're doing all these kind of things that you say, hey, you worked hard at it. And so it's life is good. But then something happens that messes around with your status quo something happens that 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 addresses you where you're at and says you know what there's something in your life that needs to change there's something in your life that you have been either ignoring or you've been overlooking and you need to take a hard look at what Christ is saying to you defining moments so Defining moments often often take you by surprise, but not always. I'm finding out it doesn't matter what stage of life you find yourself in, you need a defining moment. And I would say that about every one of you today. I would say those that are visiting with us, uh, those that are have been here for years, I would say every one of us needs a defining moment. Because none of us have it all figured out. Yeah, none of us can package God into this, this kind of tidy little lifestyle and think we got God all figured out and, and you know, we're on our way. No. And God, because by his, by his, of his love for us and, and because how he cares for us, has defining moments that come and they, they stop and they make us think and say, God, where are you? And, and things, not, things are not working out like I planned. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because God is getting our attention. Back in November of 2016, I had what I refer to now as the St. John's, Newfoundland defining moment. But before, before I talk to you briefly about what happened to me in St. John's uh, uh, last year, and, and it was a defining moment for you, I want to direct your attention to Scripture. And so, would you turn in your Bibles with me to Joshua 24? And Joshua 24 is about uh, a a defining moment in the uh, life and in the history of uh, the nation of Israel. So I'm just going to read this. And and some of you are quite familiar with this defining moment in scripture. But I do want to uh, uh, highlight uh, this, this moment from scripture. So it's found over in Joshua 24. And uh, I'm going to read several verses from that chapter. It is one of the last chapters that uh, Joshua is responsible for, for writing. It says this, because this was a moment that in the life of Israel, who had witnessed all kinds of incredible acts of God, they had seen God uh, uh, deliver them and, and bring them uh, out of Egypt, provide for them in, in, the, in the wilderness supernaturally, things things had gone awry. In spite of everything that they knew, in spite of uh, uh, what they were aware of and, and what uh, their, their um, uh, genealogy had given to them, things had, had drifted. And it was important that God would capture their attention. And this is how he does it in this, this chapter. Then Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including their elders, leaders, judges, and officers. So they came and presented themselves to God. Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. So you can just see the setup. It's a setup. God God is coming to them because in many ways, they are saying, hey, life is good. We're into the promised land now. Things are going cool. And uh, we've been here for a while, and you know, maybe it's not all that we thought, but it's, it's better than what we had. And so, Joshua, he brings the elders, the leaders, the, uh, the judges and officers, and, and they come together to present themselves to God. And Joshua says to the people, this is what the Lord God of Israel says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshiped other gods. That's, that's a key phrase. And they worshipped other gods. But I took your ancestor, Abraham, from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him to the land of Canaan. I gave him many descendants through his son, Isaac. To Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau, I gave the mountains of Seir, while Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, it was a a history lesson. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I brought terrible plagues on Egypt. And afterward, I brought you out as a free people. It's, It's where the Ten Commandments were generated from. You know the story. But when your ancestors arrived at the Red Sea, the Egyptians chased after you with chariots and charioteers. And when your ancestors cried out to the Lord, I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. I brought the sea crashing down on the Egyptians, drowning them with your very own eyes. You saw what I did. Then you lived in the wilderness for many years. Finally, I brought you into the land of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I destroyed them before you. I gave you victory over them, and you took possession of their land. And then Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, started a war against Israel. He summoned Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not listen to him. Instead, I made Balaam bless you, and so I rescued you, rescued you from Balak. Uh, When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I gave you victory over them, and I sent terror terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. Can you you see what he's doing here? See, God brings them to this moment. And, And man, he's gone back now. He's gone historically. They can't deny what Joshua's saying. He, I mean Joshua. In one sense, he's got them on the ropes. He's he's got them right there. And yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, Joshua. What, what's going on? Where you going? Where are you going with this, Joshua? What's, I mean? What, what what's your point? And so, and so, so, Joshua. Let's continue. We'll, we'll we'll read this. It says, and it talks about when you crossed over the Jordan uh, Jordan River. It talks about sending the terrorists. I gave you a land you had not worked on, and I gave you towns that you did not build. I mean, I gave it to you. I mean, I gave, I, I went before you. I did all these things for you so that you could be in this land and that so that you could serve me. That, that was his message. He said, I gave you the land you had not worked on. I gave you towns you did not build, the towns where you are now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. I mean, this was a gift. This was the blessing that God had given to the nation of Israel. So Joshua says to them, as he, now he's, he's got their attention, and, and, and they, they know, yeah, yeah, Joshua, what you're saying is absolutely right. We didn't earn any of this. This has all been given to us. So Joshua says to them, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever... The idols your ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. See what's going on? You see, Israel, somehow, they had allowed other things to come into their life. They had allowed the gods of this world to come into their lives. And, and now, so they weren't just serving the Lord. They were, they were, try, they were trying to serve everything. You know, they were okay. The status quo was good as far as they thought. It says, your status quo does not, does not meet my approval. Your status quo is a stench in my nostrils. I mean, God, God was not happy with what Israel is doing. Because God loved Israel, he was bringing them to a defining moment where they were going to have to step across the line or continue on where they were. Let's follow along in the narrative. So he says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away these idols. And then in verse 15, it says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, there's the line. There's the line. But he goes on to say, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? It was a question mark. Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? And Joshua, then he says this. Come on, think about it. Make up your mind. But then Joshua makes the statement, and he makes it clear to the rest of the nation of Israel. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I want to know, Joshua is saying to the, the rest of the nation. I want you, you You can make up your mind, but today we're stepping over the line. We're stepping over the line because we don't want to be a part of serving any other God other than the God of Israel, the one that has provided for us, the one that has, that has given to us everything that, that we could ever have asked for and beyond. So so the people here, Joshua, and Joshua makes it very clear. As for me and my house, we're stepping over the line. So here's the response. And the people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. Remember that line. Remember that line. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord, our God, is the one who rescued us. They admit it. Yeah, he's the one that got us out of Egypt and he's the one that brought us across the Red Sea. Yeah, and they're admitting that he's the one that brought them across the Jordan River. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery and the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes as we travel through the wilderness among our enemies. He preserved us. I mean, the Bible says that as they traveled in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, they never needed a change of clothing. Their sandals never worn out. Their clothes, they needed need to change. And, they all, and God provided food for them for 40 years supernaturally. So they served him. So they said, as, as we travel through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. Wow. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites. This is the people now. These are all saying, yeah, that's right. And the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord for he alone is our God. So it sounds like they're going to step across the line, right? Okay, so we read on. Then Joshua warned the people. You are not able to serve the Lord for he is holy and a jealous God. He's a holy and jealous God. Notice, hey, the God that we're serving, he's jealous. He doesn't want to be shared with anybody else. And so, continue on. But you're getting my point this morning. It was a defining moment. It was a defining moment for the nation of Israel. So he says, you're not able to serve the Lord. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. But the people answered Joshua, no, no, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, we we want to step over the line with you as well. And Joshua says, all right, you are witnesses to your own decision. And Joshua said, you have chosen to serve the Lord. And they said, yes. And they were going to step over the line. Yes, they replied. And we are witnesses to what you have said. All right, then Joshua said. This is why they needed this defining moment. Joshua said, all right, then destroy. Destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord the God of Israel. So you see what was going on, and the nation of Israel, they had, they had gods among them, and they had been worshipping other things, and now it was time for them to step across the line. It was a defining moment. Israel was being confronted with their own willful disobedience, with their own sinful nature. They were being faced with a choice. Would they serve the Lord or not? History would record some like Joshua and his family would step across the line and serve the Lord. History would also reveal that in time many would not serve the Lord and eventually Israel would be carried away into Babylonian captivity. It would not be until 50 days after Jesus was resurrected and ascended to heaven and God's Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, that there would be a generation that responded properly to the moment. On the day of Pentecost, Acts 2 and 4. All right, think about that for a moment. I want to go back to my my St. John's, Newfoundland defining moment. Many of you know that I'm a volunteer chaplain. Uh, with the, the local police station here, uh, and part of one of the perks uh, with, this, with this position is attending a police chaplain's uh, conference once a year. This past year in November, we had the opportunity to go to St. John's, Newfoundland, absolutely beautiful place. Hope sometime if you haven't been there, you need to go there. It's just a great place, uh, and uh, we just had a great time. So we're together with a, a, a group of other uh, chaplains from across Canada, uh, uh, many, many of the uh, chaplains are very conservative, and uh, their theology, like like me, and there are there are some that, that are liberal as well. Uh, on the Thursday night of this week, and it's it's this is a predictable week and It'll happen again this year, uh, out, out, out west someplace. Uh, and so, what happens on the Thursday night? You have a formal banquet. And uh, at the formal banquet, you dress up in your, uh, your, your number one dress. Uh, it's a special uniform that you have. It's a, it's a white glove ceremony and everything else. And the local chaplains are responsible for, for arranging for the, the speaker and, and the agenda. So I, I, I get the program early on in the week and I look at it. And Thursday night, it says that we're going to have somebody speaking about the sex trade workers in Newfoundland. Well, I was totally shocked. Number one, I thought, well, you know, St. John's Newfoundland is a pretty conservative place. And I thought, man, I didn't think they had a sex trade problem down here. And then, then I started getting excited. I'm thinking, this is great. They're gonna tell us some stories about how people are being rescued from the sex trade. So the night goes along and uh, a young lady gets up, very educated lady. Uh, she, was, she was an attractive lady, uh, spoke extremely well. And uh, as she started to speak in a couple of paragraphs, uh, I, I found out what she was talking about. And really what her topic was, uh, was not seeing people rescued from the sex trade, but protecting the rights of the sex trade workers. And so, you know, we live in Canada. And so we have, um, we, according to our, 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 our constitution, we have a responsibility to, to respect... And protect the the rights of others. So as I'm sitting there listening, okay, I've got to listen to this. I've got to listen to this and just find out where where this person is going. And so uh, uh, the lady talked about uh, what's going on. And then it came to a point where the individual said that they did not believe that there was one morality. But that there should be several moralities. And of course, if you follow the logic, that it, that's the only way that you can live in that particular, that particular vocation or whatever you wanna call it and try to justify what you do if you have many moralities because that means everybody's right in their own thinking. And so when this person got done speaking and as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, you know, I'm hearing this person talk about the rights of the sex trade workers and then I began to think, well, what about the men that are going to take advantage of these women? And then I thought, what about the homes that are going to be messed up because, because of this particular trade? And then, then I thought about the children from these families. And then it started to dawn on me that every right that our Constitution enshrines, and, and and puts in place and says, "This is we're, we're protecting the certain groups, every right that our constitution enshrines." It you know who the victim is. The victim, is the next generation. It's the next generation. It's not about the specific group, it's about the next generation. And and it's not the point of this message to go down the line here. But you know, sometime maybe on our own we can talk about this. But if you follow. You follow the logic here—that every every right that our Constitution enshrines, there's a victim, and the victim is not the people; it's the next generation. And and I, I came away, and the, and the next morning, in my quiet time, uh, my head is swimming because as this this lady is getting done sharing, sharing. Her, and she was passionate about what she was sharing. And, and she did it eloquently. But as she was coming to the end, I'm thinking, I, I, I can't clap. I, I can't clap. Because number one, I'm thinking, if I clap, then that means I've approved and endorsed everything. That I've been in agreement with her. Um, and I thought, God, if I clap, you're going to be ashamed of me. And then I thought, man, if I clap, my, my family's going to be disappointed with me. And, and then I thought, if I clap, man, my church, they're going to disown me. So, I mean, I'm thinking about you. I mean, all these things are going on. All these things are going on. But I just want you to know that it was a defining moment for me. And since then, it has put me in a course of action. And today, once again, I I'm not, I'm not, won't talk, talk to you about that right now. But I want you to know that I believe that, that we as a, as a church that we as a church and the the nation of Canada, uh, after my recent trip to the States uh, as well, and and I'm in this mode, so I'm not in status quo. I got to tell you right now, I am not in a status quo mode. But after this this moment in Newfoundland, and after uh, uh, my uh, my recent trip to the States and reflecting over uh, the uh, nation uh, of Canada, I believe that we are on the brink and perhaps one of the most defining moments that our history has ever seen. I am convinced that there are things that are going on in North America that God is not pleased with. I I, I believe that there are things that are going on in our country that God is not pleased with in this country right now. And, And I believe that what God is doing, he is bringing us to a defining moment. But and it, it'll be up to us Will we step over the line and, and will we share his love and so forth. It's a, it's a moment that our country definitely needs us to step across the line. So I believe, folks, I believe that you and I were being brought to the brink of one of the most significant, defining moments in the history of our nation. And you and I will be asked to step across the line. You and I will be asked to step across the line. And you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not guaranteeing that we will, we will all step across the line. I'm sure that some are going to take a look at the line and say, I don't know if I can. But today, you need to know that a defining moment is coming. And I believe that we are about to experience, this is what I believe, and I know it is the heart of our lead pastor and the staff, that we believe that we are about to experience a Holy Spirit tsunami like never before. Follow me, follow me, okay? Are you following me? I really do. I believe that we are about to experience a Holy Spirit tsunami like never before. Let me remind you of of previous Holy Spirit tsunamis. Uh, And let's just think about this for just a moment. A tsunami is generated by seismic activity. In other words, an earthquake, right? that 's how it happens. An earthquake takes place, and then you get this tsunami and so you get this uh, reaction to to the earthquake and, and I, I want to remind you of some of the holy Spirit tsunamis that god that God has brought and unleashed to our country, to North America, and to our world. Some of them, you and I have been there, but let me let let you know where it started. The first earthquake, the Holy Spirit earthquake, was on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, it talks about how God poured out a spirit. When he did, I want you to know there was a spiritual, there was a spiritual earthquake that took place. And it was higher than 9.3 on the Richter scale. And it was, it was something that our World had never seen before, but it was a spiritual earthquake that came to our earth that released waves of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Now, fo- Just follow me because this is exciting because I think you and I, we, we're in the right place at the right time and I think everyone here today, you need to be here and I think we all need to step across the line. So just let me take you through this as I bring our, our, our message to, to a close. So on Acts, on the day of Pentecost, there was a Holy Ghost earthquake and, and it unleashed uh, waves uh, that uh, still have not stopped. The Bible tells us that there were things that were happening and, uh, and the uh, children of, that were present that day, the nation of Israel, they were in Jerusalem, they were told to go into all the world and they were to preach the gospel and, uh, and the Holy Spirit was being poured upon uh, all flesh. That was back some 2,000 years ago, maybe 2,500 years ago. But I want you to know that recent, not, probably not in all of our lifetime, and I don't think there's anybody here that was uh, at this point, but in 1906 there was a tsunami that was released, a spiritual tsunami that was released in San Francisco or Los Angeles, Los Angeles. And it was called Azusa Street. And and that that tsunami swept over North America and it impacted our world. And the Assemblies of God and many other movements came out of that first tsunami. They call it the first wave. The second wave, the second tsunami that was released, it started back in 1950. It started back in 1950s, late 1950s, and then 1960s. There was something that started, and it was part of a second wave. It was another tsunami that was coming as a result of the acts too far. And it started to sweep our land. And it was called the charismatic movement. Anybody ever hear of the charismatic movement? I want you to know the charismatic movement was a spiritual tsunami that God was releasing on our world. Then, in the late 60s, late 60s, anybody late 60s? Come on, late 60s. Remember late 60s? Late 60s, early 70s. They started baptizing people in swimming pools because they didn't have uh, enough, you know, baptismal tanks and so forth going on. And it started out in California, kind of sweeping through the land. It was called the Jesus Movement. The Jesus Movement. And the Jesus Movement, once again, what was it? That was a tsunami. It was a spiritual tsunami that was was sweeping uh, uh, the land. And then there was the call. They call it the third wave. The third wave, and, and you and I, we've seen a lot of these things, and we've heard about them, and, and we've experienced some of the things. The third wave took place in the 80s. There was a movement called the Vineyard. It's something called the Vineyard. And then the Vineyard with John Wimber and some of the others. And, and, and it was part And then God started to sweep across the land. And it was a, another fresh wave of God's Holy Spirit. It was a tsunami. The Vineyard movement uh, came as, as a result of that. Some of you, along with myself, went down to Pensacola, Brownsville. That was part of this third wave. Also, the Toronto Airport and what was going on there was all part part of the third wave. So there's been different waves. A first wave, a second wave, a third wave that was all generated by the day of Pentecost when God poured out his Holy Spirit. It was a Holy Ghost earthquake. It was an earthquake that launched tsunamis throughout the generations. A, uh, uh, the, I want to clarify this morning that a Holy Spirit tsunami, there, there is a purpose for it. It's twofold. Number one, that when a Holy Spirit tsunami is released and experienced, it is downloading heaven and all of her attributes. Every time there has been a Holy Spirit tsunami, what has happened? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are released. There's a fresh awareness of how the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to operate. And that that includes Includes, but not limited to speaking in tongues. But it releases this, And so, we, we, you and I are part of a Holy Spirit tsunami that is going on. It's downloading and, all, and it's releas- rele- releasing all the, the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, it is also the reason that God releases his tsunamis. is not only so that you, can, I, you and I can experience spiritual gifts and see the power of God. It's so that the works of the enemy will be destroyed. So that the works of the enemy will be destroyed. Okay, that—that's what's going on. Okay, so are you experiencing that? You know, are you—you are, are you know, are you—are you, are you that? Okay, you know, I think we're on the brink. Okay, I think we've come to a defining moment in our history. I think we're coming for a defining... I think this weekend is historic. And just let me explain to you, if I can, that this weekend, Holy Spirit tsunamis are created much in the same way by the Holy Spirit seismic activity in local churches and throughout the land. I believe... I believe for several weeks now there has been seismic activity or a shaking or a stirring taking place in Bethel Church. But I want you to know it's not just our church. I want you to know there are other churches throughout the land that are experiencing a stirring and a shaking. And I just believe it's part of a Holy Ghost tsunami that God is releasing. I believe there is Holy Spirit seismic activity taking place this weekend. Think about this for just a moment with me. This weekend, there are uh, uh, over 3,000 people that are gathering together just down the road in Waterloo at the Overflow Youth Gathering. Just think about that for a moment. There are th- over 3,000 people that are coming together. And why are they coming together? Because they're hungry for God. The leadership of this district wants to see God move profoundly. You know what our leadership wants to do? They want to see this next generation, the generation that is threatened, the generation that is being victimized, they want to see this generation rise up, move with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, see people come to know Jesus Christ, step over the line, experience the power gifts of God coming, and the enemy, the works of the enemy be destroyed. Come on, think about it. Think about it. That's what's happening this weekend in our church. I know, I know it's holidays and I know we got other things going on, but you gotta be with me this morning. And it's not it doesn't stop there. Over at Paris. At Brayside Camp, many of you are familiar with Brayside Camp, almost 2,000 young people are gathering at the same time, that there are 3,000 people over here in Waterloo, that they're gathering together, and they, too, the leadership is wanting to see that that generation, that generation rises up, that they become leaders, that they become prime ministers, that they become lawyers, that they become influencers in our country, so that our country will experience what God has always intended that this country would experience, from shore to shore to shore, to shore, that this country would understand that it's about what God loves them and God has a best plan for them. And that when God is in the center of your life, things work. Things work. And that's not it. That's not it. Come on. you got to get excited right now. you got to get excited that there's seismic activity that's taking place. Whew. All right, here we go. One more. There is a group of Christian Reformed youth that are also gathered right now over in the KW area. There's probably maybe 1,500 or maybe 2,000 of them that are gathering together. So we got tons of youth that are gathering together. Do you think it's just for entertainment? Do you think it's for an end of summer holiday? Are you kidding? me? No! This is part of God's plan for our nation and that God, by His Holy Spirit, is causing a tsunami to sweep our land. Whether you call it the first wave, second wave, third wave, I don't care what you call it. You can call it the fourth wave. I just want you to know that there's a moment that's coming and I believe that it's here today and that God is asking you to step over the line. That God has asked you to step over the line because our nation, our nation, our North America continent... Needs a defining moment where there are people throughout the land to say, "I will. I'm going to step over. I'm going to step over the line. I'm going to step over the line. Hmm Whether you live in Oxford County or Prick, I don't care where you live, I believe that God has strategically placed you there. And I believe that God wants you to experience Holy Spirit tsunamis in your neighborhood. Because if I understand what God wants to do in this, these days, God, God wants to pour out of spirit, not just in churches. Churches will not be able to contain what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to do it in your neighborhoods. At the end of June, we're going to have a special time. It's going to be in a picnic fashion. And we're going to ask all of you to identify with the people that live in your neighborhoods and, you're in, and especially you're especially from Bethel. I believe it will be a reflection of what God wants to do for us and through us. I believe it's a defining moment. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, and I'm asking Melissa if you come back please. We have, a, we have some people that are here for, uh, for uh, prayer team. And uh, this morning, if you're here in this service and um, you're, you're saying um, and pastor I've heard you today and 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 I'd I'd like to step over that line I, I'd like first of all if you have not given your heart to Jesus that this would be a day that you would strongly consider stepping over the line and say I want to give my heart to Jesus you're here today and uh, you've been hearing and seeing and witnessing things uh, today I just want to encourage you that just as in a few moments as uh, Derek and are and, and stepping across the line that that you would consider doing that today as well. You're here today as well, and uh, you've been carrying some heavy burdens, some things going on in your life, and you've just been feeling the weight of it. You'd like special prayer. The uh, prayer team will be here to pray for you. So I'm going to ask the prayer teams, if you would come, the people that have been asked to uh, pray for our people, would you come and take your place up at the front, please? And uh, and say, and you're here today, and and uh, you just need uh, a special prayer for matters that I maybe I haven't even address, so i'm gonna let you just uh we'll close that way um but this morning this is all about the defining moment the defining moment that god has for us you most of you had no idea what i was going to be speaking about today and i just believe that god has uh, brought us to uh the example of joshua believe that god has reminded us of what he is doing throughout our 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 region right now on this particular weekend with youth and i also believe that the that god wants to remind us of what he is doing in his church wherever there are people that are hungry people that want god to move so so today i pray i pray that this will be a day that all of us will step across the line would you please stand with me please stand with me And as we, as we, as Melissa will, will just lead us in a course in just a moment, um, and I'll give you a chance to to move uh, to the to the front. Please do it and do it do it quickly so that we can pray for you. But my prayer is today that this will be a moment that as you realize a defining moment that God is for you, that you will step across. So I know the Holy Spirit has been planting a lot of stuff in you today. So today receive it, and uh, and today just just be reminded. reminded that that it's, it's not about well maybe tomorrow maybe next week or whatever I just believe that God's timing is always right on and I believe that for many it's your time it's your time to step across the line So today, will you take that step and just allow people to pray for you? So Lord, thank you today for this moment. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you, Father, for the church that you were raising up. Thank you, Father, for the way that you are raising up a generation that, Lord, that you have ordained to be influencers. Lord, a generation not only in Canada, but in North America. Lord, you know what our nations need. So, Lord, I want to thank you today for raising up this generation. I want to thank you for using churches like ours and others where the gospel is preached. To be, Lord, a, a reflection, Lord, to, to be a, um, a taste of your spiritual flow, of your spiritual tsunamis that you were pouring out throughout the land. You said in the last days that you will pour out, that you will pour out your spirit. Lord, you were talking about seismic activity. You were talking about Holy Spirit tsunamis. So thank you Lord that we can be part of a church that experiences what it is to to know that this is the the day. These are the days of your outpouring and we give you the praise and we give you the glory in Jesus precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message Bethel Church Podcast. Hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.